welcome to Happy Healthy Whole, a show dedicated to helping black women approach healing and life by selecting a holistic approach to their self-care and wellness. I am your host and creator of Self-Care for Black Girls Collective, Sharia Farmer. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your journey as we talk healing, coping, self-love, and so much more. All right, so you want to start with an introduction? Yes. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We have probably one of my favorite topics in our series this week okay. um, to talk about with a special guest joining us this week. Hey. Thanks so much. <laughs> Do you want to like introduce yourself? Oh, so my name is Michelle Bogan. Look, I'm trying to figure out the screen. It's funny. My name is Michelle Bogan. I'm here this week. Happy to be here. How y'all right. doing? So this is... I- October. Yes. October's trauma series. We normally do it live and hope to, once we grow, have it be live. But until then, we're going to do it in an interview style. And I am Sharia Farmer and licensed clinical social worker and therapist here at RS Counseling and Wellness. And I'm LSW therapist and trainer here at RS Counseling and Wellness. And I am the intern uh, working on my clinical mental health counseling degree here at RS Wellness. All right. So we're going to talk. You said it was one of your favorite subjects. All right. So what subject is that? (laughs) It is the infamous uh, Black women and strong Black women specifically. And some of the good things that come with that. Um, Mm -hmm. And we'll talk a little bit more at the end about how to make this into a more positive thing. Um, But I feel like it's important first to like talk about some of the negative things that come with, like you have to be a strong black woman. You have to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders Mm -hmm. and what that does to us. Mm -hmm. Um, So Sheree, I'd like to open it up to you first of like, first, how do you define being a strong black woman? And then if you could counter it with, how do you think the world views the, the term strong black woman? Okay. So that is awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to start because it gives us a chance to reframe it from the jump. And so for me, I think I consider a strong Black woman someone who is loving in love with themselves and sets really good boundaries around giving themselves to others, as well as still has a vulnerability to their emotions and their expression of those emotions. Mm-hmm. So I think when I think about it, if I, without connecting it to actions, I'm really thinking about being a whole person who has whole emotions, good, bad, and indifferent and allowed to feel and be and do those things and still be accepted as strong. Yes. So I think that's what would be my first definition. The second part, I guess, is what's the negative of it? Yeah. Or like, how do you think society kind of views and the world views like the term strong black woman? Well, I think. So there's a couple ways to look at it. I think it comes from the historical factor first, which is that um, taking the approach of the mammy, which is about we carry the weight and the load of the family and we carry the weight of the load with the family with no, um, no pushback, no argument, no anger, and somehow we can do it all. So we're like this magical, mystical creature that can bear the weight of the entire family, even when it's past our role, mm-hmm. even when it's past our capacity or ability. It's like we have to be the caregiver who has got the child on the breast at the same time as 
cooking the dinner at the same time as making the dollar, making the money and then cleaning the house. So it's like that concept comes from how they see us as just black women in general, but we've carried it to become this kind of like identity of resilience. Yeah. When in reality, to me, it's an identity of historical trauma. And it's a, a historical trauma that is wrapped in wanting to re- wanting to be strong because you were made to be strong. Yeah. And so I think that might be the first thing, just taking it from the mammy. And then I can go into some other ones later, but I think just taking it from that approach, the historical trauma approach, to me is where we got it from and where most of people, when they think about us, that's how they think of us. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, we do it to ourselves. Like I come from a, a single black, um, a single black mother in, my, in our home. She took care of my siblings and myself and other kids, right? It was always, I, I don't have a part of my childhood where there wasn't another family member and or community member that didn't live with us, right? And so even we take it on as part of our identities, mm-hmm. but at the cost of what it meant for even access to food for the entire family as a result of that decision to care for more people, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It was the right thing to do, but it was, was it the best thing to do? Yeah. So, yeah. And I use that example for my own self, just as a, a clear, concrete way to see how we keep it going, even if it's harmful. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that is definitely something else that we'll touch on, like keeping it going, even though it's harmful, doing harm to us, but like the people that we're caring for too. Mm-hmm. So Michelle, what about you? So, I mean, it was so many things that Sharia said that I just wanted to pull, pull on <laughs> because, um, so to answer the question, um, what do I see as a strong black woman is a woman who, um, is in touch with herself in touch with, um, all parts of herself, who's accepting of herself and, um, loving to herself and holds herself accountable. Oh, mm. <laughs> that's the important part. That's the key. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think of a strong black woman and that that she carries such a powerful energy because of her doing that that it automatically impacts the people around her nice you know mm-hmm. so that's what i think of and i think that the world thinks very similar to what sharia said the world thinks of a strong black woman as one aggressive um um quick tempered mm-hmm. um yeah. <laughs> quick tempered and um um can really take anything physically emotionally like almost like we're not human right mm-hmm. i think that that's how the world sees us and tends to treat us which then we act like that yeah. <laughs> because yeah. we're not seen as being sensitive or having an emotion or a reaction we're seen as that all oh, that's that strong black woman thing So, you know, and when I heard Sharia give that example about, you know, sacrificing for other children in the community at the cost of the people in the home, you know, charity begins at home. And we have been taught historically to take care of everybody. Mm -hmm. And we don't think that we have any other choice. And then we we in turn teach that to our children. And so how do we even begin to draw in and say, I'm a priority because we haven't been taught that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a really and, and it's also it's interesting because then the other part Sheree was saying about you got to have a baby on the breast. You got to go make the money. You got to clean the house. You got to feed the family. You got to do all these things. 
as historically, like our people literally were running around trying to find safety while even when we were released from slavery, being enslaved, um, our men were put to war and our, and our women were running around with the kids trying to find places to go. So that's like, you know, (laughs) so that's just been carried on in so many different ways. And then now when we're here, right. And in the modern world that we live in, we have all of that coupled with so many other different things going on. And then we're not supposed to respond. We're not supposed to have feelings. We're not supposed to express them. We're not supposed like that's the the box. Yeah. And the systems reinforce the things that put us in a position to look like we're resilient. Right. So it's like all those examples you used about um, when people were um, moving from slavery or enslavement to freedom, (laughs) so-called, it really comes down to, if we look at today, the systems are just changed from incarceration from communities of violence and exposure to violence where we have to run around and have a a way to protect or be safe for our families and our children, right? So really the systems have just changed in terms of what they are, but they still put us back in that same position to have to be this resource of strength for an entire community. And then the moment we're not, they challenge our identity as a woman Mm -hmm. or black woman specific. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. And if we've been reared that way then we don't have the security in ourselves absolutely right so and letting that go and letting that identity go okay i'm not gonna skip questions i was gonna say wait this is (laughs) (laughs) i'm like let me not jump i do not look down (laughs) (laughs) thank you both for for both of that i think that the part that resonates with me the most is for, for me, being a strong Black woman means I have to set that example. So whether that's feeling things that I was told I'm not allowed to feel mm-hmm. or that I should suppress or I shouldn't speak up about certain things, I'm going to be that person not only for myself, but for my daughter, for my sisters, for mm-hmm. my nieces, for just young Black women around me to say like, okay, we were told this, but you can change that. You can Absolutely. rewrite that. And if I can mirror what that looks like for young Black women, I think that that is like just my overall purpose in life is like, how do I restructure thinking Mm -hmm. where we were told for generations that this is what you should look like. Mm -hmm. This is what you should feel. Mm -hmm. This is this box that you have to fit in and don't you dare color outside of that. Um, I think that that's just what I'm I'm supposed to do. And I Mm -hmm. think that's what we're all supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah, breaking that generational trauma. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a great. And it's, I'm sorry. No, 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 please. Question, no, uh, no, that wasn't a uh, it, it makes me think of that Black girl magic. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's like that was brought to empower us, you know? And I see that as the, the initial intent around how we describe how we see what a Black, well, a strong Black woman mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. But it gets taken and pulled all the way over to the other side to be used against us as to, like, aren't you magical? Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> somehow that magic means that I got to take your pain. I have to take your your microaggressions. I have to take all your hate towards me. I got to take your hate towards anyone that I love. And you can get through it because you've been through it. Right. No, I'm not magical. I'm human. Right. And that's okay, too. Now, like you said, the intent was there. But wouldn't that be no different than the intent of a strong Black woman? Exactly. 
intent and impact yeah very different different. i'm actually really glad that you brought up microaggressions because i feel like that's the perfect way to kind of segue and then we'll end with um kind of like culminating the two but both of you are very experienced in this field and i know that for me there are so many microaggressions that i face in the workplace Mm -hmm. um in school just overall society from being a black woman Mm -hmm. um so can you like both kind of touch on what some of those microaggressions are and how do we deal with them like what do we do because naturally we just react somebody is treating us the way that we shouldn't be treated or if I looked differently I wouldn't be treated this way Mm -hmm. so like what do we do so I want to start by first saying that whatever you are in the position to do to feel safe is always going to be my answer. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things about microaggression, which is really just a language called racism, right? When we think about it, and in our case, it's racism and sexism put into one basket. Um, and then there's some layers also of colorism and other things that go into even how we experience microaggressions. And so I'm not going to try to get into all of them because I can. <laughs> But I would first start by saying that the safest answer is always the one that you can safely do without harming yourself emotionally and physically, right? So regardless of what we might give as recommendations or options to do, do what is best. And the best that you can do, even if it's nothing, is okay, right? Because sometimes Mm -hmm. not having to get into the fight again, not having to prove yourself can be the reaction that you need to do for yourself to be safe. And that that. prioritizes Mm -hmm. you, not the incident or the microaggression. So I start there. Yeah. Yeah. Because we somehow feel that we need to respond and defend ourselves. Absolutely. And just releasing ourselves from doing that can be a heck of a uh, beast. Oh, wow. And it's, and that's why I said that's in no response is wrong. If you cry, that's okay. If you want to, if you want to, uh, acknowledge it, share what was wrong and deal with it with the person and try to see if they can um, do something to uh, repair the relationship. That's fine. Or if you want to walk away, that's fine. But the reality is, I think you do the thing that makes you safe because mm-hmm. that's prioritizing you mm-hmm. and not the incident. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know about everybody else. You're going to walk us through, you're going to deal with so many that you may not even have the emotional capacity to try to balance and fight all of them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that's my first answer in general. But I think when we come back to the reality of microaggressions, they're rooted in racism and sexism and colorism um, and and heterosexual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so mm-hmm. the privileges that we have are usually the opposites of what we're going to experience around microaggressions. And so for me, I think you first want to decide how you can handle it if you want to. And then after you decide, you take the step that best fits your environment that you're in, be it workplace, be it in the, the mall, the house, the home, whatever, you, whatever environment, assess what is the best thing for you to do there. And then take some steps that are about reframing, mm-hmm. acknowledge, first acknowledging reframing and letting them know that you don't owe them anything more than just the acknowledgement. You did something to harm me. And as a result, our relationship may not be able to be repaired. That's that. That might be what you do in your workplace, but you also might say, I want to repair this relationship. This is a, uh, a colleague and a person that I consider a friend. I'm going to tell, I'm going to do the same steps, but then I'm going to talk about what it takes to repair. 
I'm going to need you to do a little bit more education and or to think before you say things that are harmful to myself or people who look like me and or identify as me. I'm going to express very different than it might be for someone who I don't even care if we ever see each other again. I just need to acknowledge it, say what I got to say, and I'm out of here, mm-hmm. right? But the consequence of all of these, because here, here <laughs> lies the thing that yeah. we have to deal with as Black women. The consequence of all of these is that we get re- it reinforces the stereotypes that they have about us, right? So when I acknowledge something, I'm a B and I'm, I'm assertive, I mean, I'm not assertive, I'm aggressive. Mm-hmm. When I acknowledge something, I'm causing a problem that isn't there. And mm-hmm. so I have to be okay with that. One of the things that I give my self permission to be is every emotion. And if mm-hmm. that emotion is anger, I have a right to that. And I don't have to settle on what someone else's stereotypes about my blackness is. For me not to have the emotion is unhuman. If you have hurt me and I'm angry, I'm going to express that anger in a way that doesn't harm either of us because that's my personality, but I'm going to express it and what you do with it is up to you. Mm-hmm. And so, so I'm going to say, give yourself permission to have the emotions, express it and be okay with the consequence that they still may view you according to the stereotypes that cause the microaggression. Mm-hmm. In the first place. Mm-hmm. I don't have time and I, and everybody has different time. I'm getting older. <laughs> Just looked at my watch. I got time today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am out of time with certain things. And specifically, I'm out of time with the individual impact of microaggressions more than the large scale and impacting communities. And so for me, I'm not going to most likely address it the way that some may have to. I don't, I, I created a workspace that allows me to be in a position where you if you act that way, then I can call you out on it and give you some education in a way that helps us grow as a community. I'm so glad you made that point. I'm sorry. I just had to grab it because yeah. I was, as you were saying that, like I'm, I'm past that time. It's, a, it's the way you've positioned yourself mm-hmm. and, and your life, you know, and, yeah. and I think that's an important piece. You actually, this is about empowering yeah. us yeah. as Black women. So you're in a position in a place to help empower other black women. So yeah, you don't which is what have I to hope have that time I, for yeah. those micro aggressions. Yeah, because that's on a different level now. Now, are they still happening? Of, of course. course. Yeah. However, my impact or my response to them is about I'll sh- what you're going to see is you're going to get five of us instead of one. Mm-hmm. Right. What you're going to know is that there is going to, especially in our field, there's going to not be just one excellent black therapist that walks through this door, but now we're going to have five. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that becomes how I'm dealing with it, but I have the privilege to do that now. Mm -hmm. And I think that part is important. I didn't always have that privilege. If I was in a workplace where I had to, and because I was in management, even in this field, Mm -hmm. I usually was not only the only black person, but I was also sometimes the only woman. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, getting it from multiple directions. So even how I had to navigate it at 25 was different than what I knew to do at 30 because Mm -hmm. I had more season to some of the uh, microaggressions that I overlooked Mm -hmm. because I didn't even know they were coming at me. Right. Right. And so I think now I have the privilege to say, I'm just going to frame a community and environment where people who look like me and love like me will come in and get that same kind of feeling when they walk away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a, a lot of work to get there. Yeah. But it was worth it because now I can say, I ain't got time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I ain't got time. Now, do I still get them? I get them when it comes to 
literally when it came to the PPP loans mm-hmm. at the very beginning of mm-hmm. it, like I get it from other angles yeah. on a different scale because mm-hmm. as a black female business owner, how I'm getting it and even how I have to communicate the income that I expect people to pay for us. Mm-hmm. And people are like, wow, why are they so much? Would you have challenged me if I was the black man? Mm-hmm. Would you have challenged me if I was a white woman? Mm-hmm. Would you have challenged me if I was a white man? Mm-hmm. If you can say no to any of those, then it was because I was a black woman. You thought I should take less. So you don't get to discount me. Mm-hmm. 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 Now you don't get my service either though. If if you think I should discount my services, I'm not going to do that just because I'm a black woman. I'm going to tell you what I cost. And if you can't deal with that, I'm walking away because that means that not only will this microaggression affect my bottom line, but then you think it's okay to do this to the next black woman after me. Right. You're not given allowance for that. Yeah. When I don't even think you would have even considered it if it was anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But see, awareness is the key. I really think awareness is the key. I really like what Sharia said, and I'm never going to forget that about making sure it's you're addressing it in the safest way that you can and what you need to do to protect yourself. Because mm-hmm. that's at the bottom line, that's what it's all about, protecting yeah. yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you're not even aware that is where I feel like the struggle really lies for mm-hmm. you personally, because you don't know what you're up against. And so you're constantly trying to fix a problem that's not the root of what you're trying to do. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. Say that. I get it. Yes. That is, a, that is a household word for a Black woman. We always trying to fix the root of somebody else's problem. Yeah. And we up there thinking it's us. Say that, girl. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. I'm I got you. it. Yes. <laughs> no, because that actually is something that if you're not aware, how can you? Right. And you're going to be internalizing it. That mm-hmm. part. Because that's what I just heard you say. That I'm not aware. And somehow it's my fault because the way the world has acculturated us is that I was supposed to figure this out and the house should be fixed because of me. So I'm even constantly if that's my trying workplace. to fix it and it's not even... Right. And it ain't got nothing to do with me. Yeah. I just walked in here as a black woman and didn't know it was costing me all these things. Oh, you better say that. So I, that's my answer. Yeah, nothing else to say. <laughs> Sharia said all the rest. <laughs> you, you, you better say that though. I mean, you 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 stamped it. <laughs> it's the awareness. It's key. And then you know, doing what you need to do to take care of yes. yourself and making sure you're not internalizing other people's stuff, even if you're not sure, right? Because I feel like for me. I have a lens and having a, a younger daughter who has a very different worldview, you know, mm-hmm. she thinks like, oh, mom, you think everything is that way. You think everything is that way. Right. But even sometimes myself, I'm like, now, was that because I was black? Right. And I can let it go, mm-hmm. but I know how I feel about it. And that's the awareness that I need. And that sometimes is enough. Are you a wellness provider, a life coach, a yoga teacher, a Reiki teacher? Well, come on over to Self-Care for Black Girls and list your business on our new directory. Again, visit selfcareforblackgirls.com where you can be listed as a wellness provider starting today.